lot of Christmas carols that I really enjoy. I, I like all the Christmas carols. Christmas is my favorite uh, part of the year. And not all of them are theologically accurate. I don't care. I know that there are issues with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and things like that. But one Christmas carol we won't sing in church. There's too much poetic license, but it's a sweet song. And it's about the wind, said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Sees a star. And then the lamb says to the shepherd boy, do you hear what I hear? Angelic singing. And the shepherd boy says to the king, do you know what I know? There's a king. A a child is born. And it kind of builds in progression, pointing to this child. The whole point of Christmas is that a child is the sign. It's a sign that God is showing to the world. And that little poem that's uh, sung every year so beautifully expresses the build-up to the sign of a child. Not It doesn't get bigger and bigger. It actually kind of builds up to suddenly, here we are, a little child. A sign. And that's not the first time. In other words, Christmas is not the first time that a child was a sign. A child actually has been part, a child as a sign has actually been part of the story of the people of God for centuries before Jesus was even born. In Isaiah chapter 7, there's a really interesting story. This is centuries before Jesus was born. And it was in a very turbulent time. And the, the nation of Israel had actually been split into two kingdoms. They did not get along. There had been a terrible war uh, that had happened. 120,000 people had been killed not too long ago when this story takes place. Uh, in fact, a bunch of prisoners had been taken captive from Judah, which was the southern kingdom, up into Israel. And then they had been returned because... They couldn't quite manage all of that. There were, uh, Judah, the southern kingdom they had lost, was still strong enough to put up a fight. And so Israel made friends with another small kingdom next to them. And uh, that kingdom was Pekin, uh, under the king, uh, kingship of Pekin. And uh, they said, let's get together and go get Judah overthrow their king, his name is Ahaz, and we'll put in our own vassal king, a puppet king that'll help us build this coalition against Assyria, which is far out in the east and is getting more and more powerful by the day. Now, King Ahaz of Judah, when he heard that, he was terrified by that news. Now he has two kingdoms that have already given him a whipping. And uh, he's, in a, he's in a little uh, kingdom with a small, depleted army. He hears the news of these two kingdoms coming together, and he's got to get ready for them. Now, historians don't know exactly when he made a deal with Assyria, but at some point during all of this, he goes behind the backs of these other two kings, and he makes a deal with the powerful Assyria and says, you come and we'll join you 
and he pays him off with all of the goods from the temple of the Lord. We don't know if this happened before the story that I'm about to tell you or after, but it gives the context. All the historians agree that this plan was certainly in Ahaz's mind. So I am going to read to you from Isaiah chapter 7, and uh, you have now a little bit of the context. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezan of Aram and Pekah, son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now the house of David was told. House of David is kind of like we say the White House, the authorities, the authorities of Judah. The house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the heart of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. They were terrified. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, Shir Jashub, which means only a remnant shall remain. It's a weird name. We're going to talk about names in a minute. Now, it's very important when you're uh, getting a story to understand, especially old stories when writing was hard, that only important details are put in. And this is an important detail. Isaiah couldn't go by himself. He couldn't uh, go with somebody else. He had to take a particular child with a particularly weird name. God said to Isaiah, take your son who's named only a remnant shall remain and go to see Ahaz. And you'll meet Ahaz at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road of the launderer's field. Why would Ahaz be there? Ahaz would be checking out the water supply because at that point still in Jerusalem in history, they hadn't been able yet to... uh, Uh, they didn't have Hezekiah's tunnels yet. The reason they didn't have Hezekiah's tunnels yet is because Hezekiah wasn't born, and Hezekiah hadn't built them yet. And so they um, did not have a way of protecting their water. So Ahaz is now trying to figure all of this out. And up walks Isaiah with his son named only a remnant shall remain. So God said to Isaiah, Say to Ahaz, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. Now, several times it's emphasized. Be calm, don't be afraid. It's like those t-shirts, you know, be calm and whatever. Be calm, don't be afraid, don't be terrified, and then these are just two smoldering pieces of wood that, that are burnt out. Don't worry about them. They have allied themselves together against you, but do not be afraid. This is what the sovereign Lord says. It will not take place. It will not happen. They will not succeed, Ahaz. And then Isaiah says to him these words. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. You've got to believe that this will not happen. Now, we shouldn't think that Isaiah's necessarily giving good news. In fact, he's not actually giving good news at this point. He's actually giving worse news. He's actually saying, you, got, you think you have problems with these two nations. They are not your issue. The issue is the nation that's behind them that's going to come and wipe you out. But you need 
to stand firm. And in order for you to stand firm in your faith, by the way, did I introduce you to my son? Did I tell you my son's name? My son's name is Only a Remnant Shall Remain. Did you get it? Only a Remnant Shall Remain. King's not paying attention, probably says to himself, that's a weird name, poor child. And um, Isaiah says nothing will happen. But, says Isaiah, ask the Lord for a sign. Ask the Lord for a sign. Whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. Anything. This is like uh, the genie in a bottle. Ask him for whatever. We're supposed to understand he could ask for whatever. Anything. Just give a sign that will assure me that you know what's going on, that God knows what's going on. And Ahaz instead says, you know what? No, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. That's actually a scriptural response in another context because the Jews were told, you don't put the Lord to the test. But Ahaz doesn't get that this is not an opportunity for uh, the Lord to be put to the test, but Ahaz is being put to the test. Are you going to trust that I, the Lord, know what's going on? Are you going to trust that I, the Lord, am sovereign over all the nations? And my child, only a remnant shall remain. And Ahaz, if you want to be a part of only a remnant shall remain, stand firm in your faith or you will not stand at all. But Ahaz gets all spiritual. Now, we're kind of like that. I mean, I'm reminded of that every, especially at Christmas time. It, people could tell me all they want that cookies are bad for me, and show me the science about how cookies are bad for me, and I'm like, give me more, give me more, give me more. It does. The science and evidence have zero effect on me. But when Aunt Mary's, my fictional name, Aunt Mary's, sends the annual fruitcake which, you know, when you open up the tinfoil that is in and half of it comes off with the tinfoil and it's filled with that, you know, molten morass of weird candies and nuts and all of that, all of a sudden I get very scientific. I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. I really uh, am staying away from processed sugars. And uh, I just... Uh, Thank you so much. And I get all very scientific and health-minded over fruitcake. This is what Ahaz is doing. He doesn't want God in his life. He doesn't want God involved. He doesn't actually want evidence of God. Either he already has or he will get rid of all of the treasures of the temple. He's already in his heart betrayed God. He doesn't want any business with God, so, he's, so he gets scriptural, says, I'm not going to put God to the test. That's actually what we've been told in the scriptures. So Isaiah says, here, now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you not try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you and she will call him, here's another weird name, God with us. Now, Isaiah was talking about something that actually would take place 
during the life of Ahaz, or shortly thereafter, something close enough so that all the people surrounding could understand. But the word that he used for virgin, I don't want to get too far into the weeds there, but the word, he, it could be used for a young woman and also a virgin. It's kind of enigmatic because it is also speaking of a prophecy way down in the future that has yet to happen. But Isaiah says that a young woman is going to give birth, and we're going to name this young child God with us, and before the child is uh, old enough to know the difference between right and wrong, these kingdoms that you're worried about are going to be wiped out and you're going to have bigger issues coming upon us. Let's go, only a remnant shall remain. Now, weird names for prophets' kids was kind of the trend with prophets in that day. There's trends among preachers, and that was kind of a trend. Isaiah and Hosea were actually contemporaries. They were prophets at the same time. Pastor Scott preached from Hosea last week. And Hosea had three kids. One he named Jezreel because that's a city that God was going to curse. It's like, and uh, another he named Not Loved, and a third he named Not My People. And it's like, you know, giving weird names to your kids. This is my child, New York City. Oh, what about, oh, I can't stand the place. And, uh, and uh, had the worst vacation ever in my life. But anyway, uh, and imagine a name like not loved. Daddy, why, why did none of the kids, why are the kids so mean t- to me? I have no idea not loved. But daddy loves you not loved. Imagine the psychological confusion, the cognitive dissonance going on for little not loved. What a weird name or not my people. That's a convenient name for boys, you know? Uh, I remember one time in my church in Illinois, we had a lot of little boys, all of them pretty young, and one of the little boys, while we were in, uh, finishing up fellowship in the parking lot, one of the little boys just started peeing against one of the, uh, somebody else's car. And somebody yelled, so-and-so's peeing on the car, and Everybody looked to see who it is, and the thing that stuck out to me, every one of the parents, except for the parents of the little boy, said, it's not my son, not my son, and what a nice name. Who's that kid that's just terrifying the whole church? Not my people. Weird names. Isaiah named one of his kids uh, swift to the plunder, quick to the uh, uh, spoils. What a long and weird name. And the whole point of that is because children were signs. Literally, in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 18, Isaiah says, My children are signs. My children are signs. And so he gave them all these weird names. And one of the weird names at the time was God with us. It's a whole sentence, God with us. And so he says to Ahaz, listen, I brought along, only a remnant will remain, and you are snubbing me and only a remnant shall remain. And so we're going to go back, but eventually another little baby's going to be born, and his name's going to be God with us. Stand firm in your faith, or you will not stand at all. You can ask for a sign. Now, Ahaz had at that moment a wonderful opportunity to uh, expose his vulnerability before God, 
turn himself to the sovereign Lord and say, yes, I'll ask for a sign. He could have asked for an army. He could have asked for resources. He could have asked for something spectacular just to give him assurance that God's word was absolutely true. But he didn't want to. And he didn't want to say to God what I need right now in this terrible time that is happening is you. There's a great book. It's, it's not a Christian book, but it, it talks about the levels of intimacy. And the deepest level of intimacy, believe it or not, and it makes a lot of sense when you spend time thinking about it, is sharing your need. Really be getting, getting real about your need. I mean, even on a superficial sense, you can kind of understand that. You show up to church on a Sunday, and the usher greets you, and what can I do to make your service more enjoyable? You're not going to say, well, since you asked, I really could use a donut cushion. I've got hemorrhoids. Sitting on the pew is very painful. Now, even if you need a donut cushion, you're not going to ask for that. You're not going to tell somebody you don't know very well about a need like that. I mean, it takes some vulnerability to open up yourself and say what you really need. The truth of the matter is, even in this room, at the deepest levels, it's hard to know, even with the people you know the best, what they really need from their own perspective. But the truth of the fact is there's a need that we all have more than anything else, and that is God with us. That's the need we need. That's the deepest need. It gets down to the core of who we are. It, 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 it penetrates our, our, our hidden heart and our deepest identity that of all the needs. In a, I need God with me in a way that I cannot and will not and maybe even ashamed to admit that I need to other people. We can all kind of say it in a superficial sense. I need God with me. But there's a sense where we have to say, oh, Lord, things are going wrong. The news is bad. I'm in Ahaz's situation. And uh, if the, these two smoldering things uh, go away, there's still problems behind it. Uh, and I have to put my hope only in you alone. I mean, I need you. Now, here's the problem when we decide to not get real with God about our, re- our real need for God with us. We become like Ahaz in at least three different ways. One is we have our own distorted truth. We we use truth and manipulate truth in our own ways, even as uh, Ahaz did. I will not put God to the test. It's a false uh, reverence. It's a fake worship. It's a misuse of theology. It's it's abusing. It's kind of like me suddenly getting having convictions about uh, not eating processed sugar when the fruit cake arrives. It's 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 fake. It's unreal. It's a distorted truth. We take something true and and we uh, bury our heads in the sand. We try to craft reality a different way, and we just don't want to be real about our need for God with us. That's one of the ways. In others, it's a distorted sense of time. Because Ahaz is like uh, worried about these two little kingdoms that are coming, and he's focused on them. Isaiah says, listen, don't worry about that. They're not even going to get themselves organized soon enough for you to uh, even worry about them before you got bigger issues going on. And 
Assyria is going to wipe them out. It's going to come wipe you guys out. You need to make sure you're part of the remnant that will survive. But when we say no to God, we get a distortion of time. And um, we get impatient and we get upset with the schedule that God has ordained for us. A third way is similar to Ahaz, is that we get not only a distortion of our truth and a distortion of time, but we get a distortion of our own troubles that are facing us. And we think something is the worst, and in reality, they're just burnt-out sticks that are giving some smoke. All of that is because we are not ready to say that what I need the most is God with me. So Isaiah said to Ahaz, you're not even going to ask a sign. God will give you a sign. A sign will be a child whose name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Years and years and years later. After this story had been written down in a scroll and repeated through oral tradition as well as written tradition, and now people are actually uh, naming their children Emmanuel because it's a nice name. It's a lot better than not my people, wouldn't you say? Certainly a lot better than not loved, and uh, it's a pretty nice name. They're actually naming their people people, uh, children, Emmanuel, and they're naming uh, their children Josiah, which means Jesus saves. And this is going on now for centuries as they think about this wonderful image of God with us. And there were in the same country where all of this happened. Centuries later, shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, Fear not, for a child is born. A Savior, who is Christ the King, And you all fill in the blanks when I point to you. And this shall be a this shall be a sign. The child shall be a sign to you. You'll find him wrapped in claws, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of the heavenly host. And you can't overemphasize the the pluralities there. Multitude and host is plural. And so there, it's like armies and armies upon armies and myriad upon myriads. It's probably as far as the eye could see. These are the armies of the Lord, the very same armies of the Lord that 30-some years later would be at the beck and call of Jesus if he wanted them to free him uh, from the uh, Pilate and the persecutors that were putting him to death. The armies of the Lord are singing glory to God in the highest. 
and on earth and peace and favor to with whom the Lord is pleased. It's, it's a message of peace and goodwill and uh, assurance for the remnant that has the faith wherein they can stand. And if you do not stand in faith, you will not stand at all. And then the lights go out. There's just crickets. The shepherds are looking at each other. And they're saying like the Christmas carol, did, did you hear what I heard? <laughs> did you see what I saw? Did you feel what I felt? I don't know. What did we eat? I mean, what was in the falafel? Well, this shall be a sign to you, the shepherd said. Let's go and see if this thing is true. And then instead of saying like Ahaz, no, I will not tempt the Lord, they readily received the, the fact that there would be a sign. And it's the scriptures say, with haste, they hurriedly went to see the sign. And they arrive in this humble, little, smelly stable. And there's a little baby wrapped up in available claws. And they believe. They have faith. This is the sign. This is the sign. What's his name? Joseph is standing by. He says, well, in a dream, the angel of the Lord, probably one of the same angels which will talk to you. In a dream, the angel of the Lord came to me and said, you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us and you'll call him jesus which means he will save his people from their sins now thank god we don't have to name our kids not my people and not loved and swift to the spoils and quick to the plunder and uh even only a remnant shall remain. But thank God that for century there were little children who were signs pointing to the Christ child who is the very evidence of God among men, full of grace and truth. The beautiful thing about this sign is that we can enjoy the fact that no matter how bad the times may be, no matter how rough 2021 may be, several of our families, including my family, um, and some others here in the church have actually lost people just this week. It's been a pretty bad week for some families in the church. But God has given us a sign. And if we do not stand firm in our faith that that is the sign 
of the eternal, abiding, and ultimately victorious presence of God. Our greatest need, then we will not stand at all. This Christmas, as we go back to our places to celebrate, let's pause to focus one more time on the sign and on this sign here at the